You're listening to the Over a Drink podcast, the podcast dedicated to normalizing normal men talking about normal things, sharing testimonies and putting purpose to pain. My name is Mitch Parsons, and I am your host. The Over a Drink podcast um, episode. I don't even know at this point, but I know it's the third one on YouTube. So, hey, if you're watching this. Hey, you can see us. Uh, if you aren't, get on the cool train and come on and join us over here on YouTube. I still love you out there on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, all the places that you're listening to this. But um, I love you just a little bit more if you come over here on YouTube. Um, today, <laughs> I have a a good friend of mine. Um, we met pretty randomly uh, through... Man, Joe, how did we even meet? I know I, I, I actually I think I do know. Um, my wife, she if you guys don't know my wife, my wife is amazing and she is she hears from the Lord in ways that I just wish that I could. And so um we were sitting in a in a, a recording, a service recording, and she pointed Joe out. I was like, You should go talk to that guy. I was like, Okay. Why? She was I just think that you should. And I was like, Okay. So I went over and started talking to him and we became buddies, and then I think I reached out on Instagram. Uh, and we connected that way. We've had coffee a couple of times. Um, what did you say that that's about? Yeah, man. That, you, you know what's funny is I know exactly the clothes I was wearing. I was wearing a, a pair of white uh, Converse. Yeah. Some nice black skinny jeans, a white uh, shirt with a, a blue um, flannel over. And you walked yeah. over to me uh, after the sermon, sermon and uh, just was like, man, you, you just look, you look filled with the Holy Spirit today. And man, that made my day. I remember getting in the car, driving home, and I called my wife. And I was just like, man, this nice guy walked up and said, I just, he saw the light in me or something. And <laughs> man, since since day one, you spoke life into me, brother. Uh, dude, well, you're easy to speak life into. You're amazing. So, Joe, uh, Joe, you are a lender, right? A mortgage lender. Correct. Um, yes, sir. You, you deal in mortgage lenders and I believe realtors and that whole world, you are pastors. Like you truly, you are, you are shepherding people through the biggest decision. One of, I mean, you give your life to Jesus, you decide who you're going to get married to. Yeah. And like, if you're going to have kids, but then it's like, where are you going to live with that family? And like, you help people in that decision. Um, I remember my realtor, my lender, they, they knew all my finances. They knew all my debt. They knew they knew what I wanted to spend, where I wanted to live, why I wanted to live there, my motivations. And it's like, yeah. you know me better than most people at this <laughs> point. Um, so you do that, but I want to give you a second uh, to, you're on an, you're on an elevator. Uh, we're going to say, I really want to go to Mexico. So you're on an elevator in Mexico. Um, All right. And the family next to you has four kids. And so they, two of them are just pushing all the buttons. And so you have like a minute, you're only going up two floors. It's like a little, it's not a, it's not a resort. It's like <laughs> a, more of like a, it's like one of those three story, like longer, wider. Uh, okay. Resorts. Sure. Not, the, not the tall skyscraper Vegas resort. So you're in one of those kind of more um, spread out. All right. A little bit more spread out pool in the middle. Um, okay. Would, would you tell me as we, as we're going on the way to your room, um, would you tell me about yourself? Yeah, fantastic. Well, uh, I'm Joe Beniaz, so I'm a mortgage lender here in Denver, Colorado, 
gosh, I, I kind of fell into this world. Uh, I was going to school at uh, uh, UNC up in Greeley to, for communications, graduated. And as you know, we all think we're going to be promised a job after college. Um, that didn't happen. So I started to wait tables and decided that wasn't for me. So I went back to school um, and started going to the University of Denver to get my master's degree. While I was going there, my dad dropped the bomb on me that, hey, you're paying for this. so You better get a job that can pay for this DU tuition. It's expensive. Yeah. Um, so I logged online and uh, applied somewhere. Uh, Nova Home Loans was, was the job, and I was going to be their digital marketing creator. So my job was to create videos. It was to uh, you know create newsletters, whatnot, to send to their database. Yeah. After like two years of doing that, making absolutely no money, I decided, hey, I want to be the guy behind, uh, in front of the camera. I want to be the loan originator. So I got licensed, and ever since, I've been doing that. Um, so you're, a lo- you're a loan originator. You, you have, you're married. I am married. Yes, I was going to get to that. I'm saving the best part <laughs> for last. There, uh, I, I like to always tell my friends, I'm, I'm what's married. I'm married to what's called an out of league wife. She is just yeah. so far beyond uh, me. I kicked, I outkicked my coverage. We're in the um, club there for sure. <laughs> there you go. I don't know what she sees in me half the time. Um, but I'm just so blessed to have her through that marriage. Um, we have two beautiful kids. We have a two and a half year old named Madeline. And, uh, this weekend we're celebrating my little boy's, uh, one year old birthday party. His name's Noah. And, uh, time flies. One year. It literally, I remember, I think I reached out to you when you had your son and I was like, how are you sleeping? How are things? How are you doing? Cause the first man, one year. Can you believe it? No, that's so crazy. Um, My wife runs this business for for little kids' uh, birthday parties. So we do a lot of one-year-old birthday parties. And I always tell the parents, the one-year-old birthday party is actually more of a celebration to the parents because you made it. You made it the year. You know, that year is a lot of up and down. Oh, my goodness. Okay, and then this is just like off of – I've been tossing this idea around. I'm going to throw it out there and see if it's – and I have not, I have not even a little bit prepped you for this. So hey, here we go. Here go. we go. Um, what is your? So this podcast is completely self-funded. I pay for it myself. There's a handful of people who support me. If you do want to support me, uh, you can go in the link of my Instagram or in the link of this uh, YouTube video. There will be. It's called Buy Me a Coffee. You can help support the podcast. There's there's fees to like host and stuff, whatever. But I found this, I think, kind of creative way to maybe give you an idea to help you support me. Um, An Amazon affiliate link is something where I get a commission. Um, So I'm going to start asking my guests, what's your favorite Amazon purchase in the last year? Um, And then I'll throw that link in the in the in the bio. And if you like whatever Joe suggests, I'll get a little kickback for it. And it might pay for my Premiere Pro, which is not cheap. The fact that Adobe charges as much as they do makes me so angry. But I guess there's people whose whole lives are like built through that. So, Joe, off the top of your head, I am so sorry that I'm doing this to you. But no. Like, what is your favorite Amazon purchase in the last year? So I am, I'm glad you asked. I had to lean over to grab my product because I keep it with me everywhere I go. I've got them in right now. There's these headphones I have. Okay. They're cheap as can be. B, I don't even know how to say the brand. B-M-A-N-I. I can drop you the link. Uh, Bamani, I'm guessing. But they're yeah. 39 bucks, and they work fantastic. Um, my kids are historically known to ruin dad's things. So I've had some nice headphones, some nice sunglasses in the past. Yep. And uh, 
can't I, I can't keep that stuff because they'll them alive. Yeah. Exactly. So these headphones have lasted me eight months or so already for you know forty bucks, and so That's gosh, great. They're, they're fantastic. That's great. And so, okay, if you want to support the podcast, you want to support me, and you want to help me, so that I I have this dream really quick, and then we're gonna jump into your thing, Joe. Um, yeah. For the older viewers of this, there's a movie called The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. It's a book. Um, (laughs) You'll remember it. It's essentially like these jeans that move around um, and they fit everybody who wears them. I want to create, the dream would be to create a a shipping box that has a mic. It has uh, a pair of headphones. It's branded up with over a drink stuff. It has... um, the, I'm using my iPhone as my webcam right now, but there's a little clip on the back of it that allows me to use continuity, which like makes a good camera setup. Um, and then a little ring light. Um, and my dream would be to ship that around the country and be able to afford to pay for the shipping. So I'd be like, hey, Joe, I'm going to send you this. You get it. You set it up. You put it back together. And then you Venmo me a request because you're going to find somebody who you believe that in your life yeah. would be good at this. And so you ship it to them. So I'm trying to raise support to do that. I think that would be so cool, but FedEx is not cheap. <laughs> so um, all that to say, Joe, uh, this is about you. And, um, and so I want you, uh, we talked about this before. This is Holy spirit driven. This is Holy spirit led um, derived. You choose the verb. Um, actually that would be an adjective. Um, so it is an adjective that he is doing. So there's the verb. Um, but uh, where do you want to jump in? I, I mean, we don't have, we can go A to A to Z. We can jump in at F. We can jump in at F and go back to A. Um, testimonies are stories, but stories don't have to yeah. be linear. So, uh, man, it's all, the floor is yours. Well, fantastic, Mitch. You know what? I love you said that this show is all about me. But, but really, I'm just a character in the story. You know, the, the real main character in my life is Jesus Christ. Hmm. It is Christ and what he's done for me, that the family he's given me. Um, you know, if we dive into my testimony, you know, I, I was raised in the church. Now, when I say that, I, I don't want it to sound like, oh, this is a, a religious kid who grew up and, you know, his entire life has just been given to God because it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was baptized at... I don't know, eight, nine months, you're, you know, old as a little kid. So I was, I went to a Lutheran church and, um, you know, God bless my parents. They, they were doing their best. They brought me to church. They were trying, they were giving me God, you know, is what they kind of felt like, um, which I love that. But we were going to a Lutheran church and uh, I, well, I was a little boy, you know, and so I was going to, to Sunday school and whatnot. I was a little bit, I was a little boy. I was rambunctious. Um, I got kicked out of Sunday school for being for being rambunctious after Sunday school. The, the teacher walked to my parents and just said, he can't come back. You know, so from a very young age, I started to get this kind of ideology in my head that maybe God isn't for me or maybe I'm not for God. You know, when you're a little kid, six, seven years old, getting kicked out of Sunday school, you kind of start to yeah. already question like, hey, does God love me? Why am I getting kicked out of the school? You know, yeah. Um, then I kept going to church. You know, I got confirmed confirmation in Lutheranism, you know, in Lutheranism is, is basically the same as, you know, um, a bar mitzvah when you're 13 and you okay. kind of become a man, you know, okay. uh, did that and whatnot. Then, um, again, just kind of started fading away. It was more about a religion at that point and just checking off the boxes than ever having a relationship with Christ. Wow. So here I am 14 years old now or so. And, uh, 
church was, I was kind of done with church. You know, I got a job at the YMCA, which is a, kind of a Christian, you know, young men's Christian uh, association, but I was a lifeguard. So I picked up the Sunday um, shift. And so I would work on Sundays and I wouldn't go to church anymore all the way through college or so, you know, so I, I definitely kind of walked away from Christ. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. You know, w- w- one thing I bring, bring that up so fast off the bat is, is it's just, it's so sad to me that a little kid at that age felt that God didn't love him, you know? Yeah, and, in, and the truth in that is there is none. Like, there is no truth in that because, yeah. like, God, God, Jesus speaks to the importance of children over and over and over again and, and the severity of protecting their hearts. Um, I don't remember where in the Bible, if you watch this podcast, listen to this podcast, you know that I'm just like somewhere in the Bible. It said, I couldn't tell you're, you what book you're in the book. <laughs> you're in, you're in that book somewhere. Um, but essentially it was like, like the levy, like the, the punishment levied on somebody who affected or tainted the heart of a child is like so much more severe or like it is taken so strongly. Um, yeah, because Jesus loves children. It, it was rough, man. Yeah. And so, you know, that point, you know, was kind of a shifting point, I would say, in my life. I mean, gosh, I don't remember a lot of things when I was five, six, seven years old. But that's something that stuck with me is that, hey, I remember getting kicked out of Sunday school and watching all my friends every Sunday go to Sunday school when I had to sit with my parents, um, you know, and then eat their donuts and whatnot, hang out there until the sermon started. So that, that kind of sucked, you know, and so it, yeah. you kind of already felt like an outcast that, hey, God doesn't want me. He wants you guys, but I'm just here because I have to be here, you know? Yeah, yeah. That did that has that carried into your adulthood? I know that because I'm because I studied psychology a little bit at Vanderbilt. Um, shout out, anchor down. Um, but um, it, it uh, psychology like the like. In psychology, as you're developing, your development um, at that age can like critically and severely affect and like shape the way you are today as a thirty-something-year-old man. Yeah. Like, um, have you noticed like tendencies in yourself at at this age that may have been established when you were five, six? Great question. I, I don't think at this point now. I, I think until about the age 25 or so, I definitely had a lot of self self doubt through that. Um, and to, you know, and I, I want to rephrase too, just in case my mom's watching this. Uh, my mom and dad did an amazing job. You know, they taught me scripture. They were adamant about me coming to Christ. They they did everything possible. You know, but there was still self doubt because of things that have happened at that church I went to. Yeah. Um, moving on, here's where the story gets a little bit. Uh, sad here is, you know, I went to college and doing the typical college guy thing with that was kind of living a Christless life. Yeah. I was partying, I was drinking, uh, I was doing drugs, I was out every night, you know, doing just, just doing what our society tells us college kids do. And that's what I was doing. Um, I graduated, as I mentioned, started going back to the University of Denver. Then my father got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Hmm. And, uh, he was diagnosed and three weeks later died. Oh, wow. Um, so at that point, thanks, man. Yeah, it was really tough. I mean, still tough. There, there hasn't really been a, a day I don't think about my dad, you know. Um, but um, 
the good that came out of that is that's when I actually started to have some sort of a relationship with Christ again. At first, that relationship, I'm not going to lie to you, looked a lot like, how dare you do this? How could you do this to me? I'm so upset with you. He was a good man. He followed you. Like, how could you do this to our family? There was a lot of anger in our relationship. But nonetheless, there was still, there were, I was talking to God. Hmm. You know, it was the first time I was talking to God in five, six, eight years. I don't know. You know, but again, it started a conversation. And I, I don't know, man, I, I do believe that God started to talk to me and showing me things throughout that process where, hey, you know what, now I'm actually picking up the Bible. Now I'm saying, hey, well, God's not talking to me audibly, so I need to read this Bible to see what he says about this. And I started to, to dive in, dive in, dive in, and, and finally realized, hey, this was all part of God's bigger plan. I don't understand why this happened, um, but I trust you, God, and I know that I can't do this life without you. And so I think that's truly when I actually created a relationship with Christ. I would say that's my testimony is actually my father's death brought me to my true father, Christ. Um, and um, that's powerful. That's that is. Oh, my goodness. You saying that, like, I think is something that is truly in itself. God breathed because like. Humanly. That is painful. That sucks. Yeah. It is gut wrenching, heart wrenching you name the the word like it sucks a lot and for you to be able to have the perspective of and we literally just talked about this off mic about like how the enemy tries so hard to shift our perspective and like put lenses on us that um if he can control our perspective he controls how we think and yeah. in those moments it would be so easy for him to be like god doesn't love you you think god loves you he he he, he, took, he took your, your father yeah he took your dad your dad died like he doesn't love you and you're sitting here being like, actually, God, I know and I trust you and I'm going to keep getting closer to you because I trust you. And that yeah. is something that you are. That is amazing. That can I, I just need to tell you like that I've had so much less happen to me and me be like, nope, screw you, dude. I am going to take a good <laughs> two week hiatus from you and uh, we'll talk later. But like. That's awesome. So. Um, yeah, and, and to be honest that. with you there, Mitch, yeah, no problem. To be honest with you, I, I mean, it wasn't a two-week thing. You know, it was a two-year process, I would say, of after my father passing away, me actually truly getting to starting that point. to getting to that point, you know, because the yeah. scars had to heal. Again, I started to talk to anger out of God. And um, again, you, you, you could have decided. You know, the word decide is one of my favorite words in the English language. Have I taught you this? No, teach me now. Teach us now. Teach us now. All right. The word decide is the best word in the English language. I think it's so powerful. We see the root word side in a lot of uh, words we use in English today. Yeah. Dark words, suicide, homicide, genocide. They all mean to kill, right? Yeah. Uh, homicide is you're going to kill someone else. Genocide is you're killing a bunch of people. Yeah. Suicide is you're killing yourself. So what does decide mean? Decide means you're going to kill off all other options. Hmm. You're going to take one that route. You're killing off all other options. That's the true translation. Wow. And so that word is so powerful. And so again, I, I think I, you're right. I could have decided just to say, you know what, God, I'm done with you because of my past, because, uh, because that one lady, I can't even remember her name. And when I was seven or eight years old, turned to me away and said, I'm not you know, worth coming to her class. And now this, you know, it's like, oh, Hey, yeah. you're, you're, 
I can't, I can't trust you, you know, but I decided to actually finally follow Christ and uh, just submit to him, submit to his ways. You know, I think one of the scariest prayers to actually read out loud is uh, the Lord's prayer because it's, he says, uh, you know, your will be done on earth. You know, when you say that, it's like, well, what is your will, God? I don't even know what it is. I don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. Mm. And uh, so, you know, we just got to trust in his will and his plan. Dang. <clears throat> Dang. Dude, I think the things that you're saying are, it's tough love stuff. I think it's as a, as Christians, Jess and I have kind of landed on this thing where um, we, I think the church, I think Christian society has kind of made Jesus fluffy where it's like he is simply an only um, comforter, which he is. Right. We don't want him as like another word for God is uh, Anani, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is Lord and King. And, and when you serve a Lord or a King, there are things where he's like, this is what you have to do. It's going to be my will. Like <laughs> that's, that's what yeah. it is. And so for you to be like, Lord, your will be done. That is, that is takes the, setting aside of pride that takes being subservient to the Lord that you've like, given your life to. I was just reading in, uh, in Luke and I read it and I was like, Oh, Jesus kind of laid the, the hammer down on his disciples where he was like, Hey, um, if the servant went out in the field and came back to his master, would he expect to sit and eat with his master at dinner or would he keep serving his master food? And like only then when, it, like when his master like was ready to, be done would he rest he goes in the same way when you follow me he goes there are things that i ask you to do that you're going to do and you're not going to be pat on the back for it it's going to happen because you're following me and like that's kind of just how it is and i read that and i'm paraphrasing but like and i can find i think it's probably it's in luke so that's a challenge to you go find it in luke uh, not you, but anybody who listens to this, go read all of Luke and find what I'm talking about. Um, but Joe, thank you for sharing that. That's um, that's a big place to be because that's a scary prayer. You're right. The, the your will be done. There have been times that I've sat and I'm like afraid to even like say it in my head. I'm like God. Um, so like remove the things in my life that are causing me harm, and like if it hurts me, just like do it anyways. And I'm like, Oh, but please also like, don't let there be anything. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to go through that. Um, well, it's so, you know, it's so scary because when you, when you, you know, when we see our friends and stuff going through, through troubles now, you know, we have a, I have a friend who, whose father is, is severely sick. And yeah. after going through this, unfortunately we kind of know what's going to happen, you know? Yeah. Um, but when we pray for miracles, you know, you pray and you say, if it's in your will, God, please do something you know and it just um it's a good reminder that we don't have control but we're submitting our you know our our wants and wishes and and prayers to god just trusting in his decision you know i I like to think of it as um i'm not equipped to run my own life (laughs) you know i i if i made my own decisions like i said and just thought, okay, this sounds like a good idea. I don't know where I would be. You know, one of the biggest prayers I like to say is, God, thank you for the decisions I didn't make. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for the decisions I didn't make, and thank you for the decisions that you 
that you protected me from. Um, thank you for like, like the, right. thank you for the nose. <laughs> uh, I was just talking to a buddy who got told no to a job and I was like, I know that it's a bummer, but what, what if you viewed it as a blessing? Like, what if this job actually was going to take you away from your friends and your family more than you wanted to? And what if this job was going to take you away from an opportunity that's actually better for you? So like, is this a good thing? Like, um, yeah. we, we pray in my home, Lord, align the desires of our hearts with the desire with, with your will so that when your will is carried out, which it will be, we are not disappointed. Um, but we are expected in that. And it's like, how much, how much better would it be if you're sitting waiting for a job and then you're hoping, you're hoping, and all of a sudden you, you don't really want the job all that much. You want something else and the Lord's shifting the desires of your heart. And then you get, to, get told no to that, that job and you're like, okay cool <laughs> yeah well and i i think as humans you know specifically i don't know men too i think women too i should just uh be inclusive to men here we we're good at playing checkers meaning we're good at like thinking 10 feet in front of us you know god's playing chess he's thinking about okay this decision is intertwined to something that's going to happen to you in 10 years you know and he's he's like you know god goes before us yeah. he's behind us he's around us um, we, we don't think, we don't have the capacities to, we're, we're constrained to time. You know, God is so far in front of us fighting battles in front of us that we don't even see coming yet. You know? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I was reading in a book. Here we go again. I was reading in a book somewhere. It was written by Francis Chan and he talks about how, um, there is, there is the will of the will of God can be divided in two. There is, um, the explicit will of God, essentially, where it's going to happen. Every knee will bow. Um, we are given uh, agency as humans um, to make our choices. So the will of God is not for me to go get blackout drunk and to run down the street naked. Not the will of God. I have the choice to do that. But yeah. he is God. And through my decisions, he's still going to carry out his his will he's going to carry out um every knee will bow <laughs> he's going to bring everybody to him regardless of the decisions i make he knows and that's one thing i think there's a bible verse he works things all to, all things together for the good of those who love him and i think very often we romans, romans 8, 28 we misread that as he works all things together for the good of mitch no like I remember wrestling with one of our pastors at our church was diagnosed with a brain tumor a couple of years back. And I was sitting there wrestling with God and like, like, I was like, this is not good. How is this good for him? How is this good for our church? How is this good for me as he's my pastor? This yeah. is not good. And the Lord Holy spirit highlighted for the good of those who love him and brought me to this idea of like, it, it isn't for the good of Scott. It's for the good of, his people. And so I remember hearing stories of Scott being in the hospital room and his family's praising and worshiping around him and praying. The nurse that was in charge of his room may not have been a believer. The doctor may not have been a believer, but he saw people praying through that situation and that, and it was for the good of those who love him. It was for the good of his people that he was in that room doing that. And I was like, God, <laughs> like for you, like your circumstance, it was not good for your dad to get pancreatic cancer. Not right. 
But the Lord knew that through that, you would come to him. And like, isn't yeah. that, isn't it's, and it's hard. I think in our emotions as humans, we attach so much to the earthly reality that I think we think, I think we put into it that God cares a lot more about us on earth than he does our eternity. I think that as like, as harsh as it sounds for him to take somebody's life here on earth and to save people for eternity, he like, he, he values eternity more than the blip that we're on earth um, more. Oh, sure. You, you know, I always like to think of like, if my dad knew, and obviously he yeah. didn't know this, but if my dad knew, hey, me dying is going to bring my kids and give an opportunity for my kid to teach the rest of our lineage, you know, the rest of the Biniaz family, because I carry the yeah. last name, you know, it could have ended at me. You know what I mean? It, it could have, the, the, the Biniazes could not yeah. have been Christian. Yeah. You know what I mean? If he would have known, like, hey, me dying today is actually in two years going to lead my son to uh, have a relationship with Christ and, and witness to his family mm. and his friends all around him, I think he would have made that decision nine, like 9,000 times wow. over to do that. Wow. You know? Ooh, I could cry. Don't cry. I am emo lately. Oh, my gosh. I'm crying. Ugh! If you want to get on YouTube and watch me cry, um, um, dude, I had a I had a friend who uh, his daughter had was born. He said something similar to what you just said, um, but in a different context. Um, his ba- daughter was born with a very rare genetic mutation that has made it so that um, life is very difficult for her. Um, she's in a lot of pain a lot of times and. She's two, and ooh, he said something that shook me to my core, where he was like, I just want my daughter to be healed, and the only place that she will be healed is heaven. He goes, I, I will yeah. wear the grief every single day for the rest of my life of my daughter, like, not being here with me. He goes, but if it means that she gets to go be whole in heaven, he goes, I pray that the Lord would take her, and I'm like... Oh, I have a do- oh my gosh, dude, emo Mitch over here. I'm like, I have I yeah, man. You're I'm like, I have a daughter, and I could never imagine getting to the point of being like, God, take her. Like, woo. You, you know what's you know what's crazy when you're saying that though. The first person I thought of was Jesus. Yeah. You know that's exactly what he did, is he laid down his life so that we can all have eternity in heaven. You know, so that we'll be healed in heaven. Yeah, I mean, in a way, your dad emulated Jesus in that moment. Yeah. Like not not yeah. he didn't choose it, but he he carried out the same similar, not the same. He carried out um he's he saved your eternity. Yeah, exactly. And uh you know, my one of my Favorite persons in the Bible is Andrew. Every time he's mentioned in the Bible, do you know what I love about him? Is he's leading someone to Christ. Mm. If you look at every time he's mentioned in the Bible, it's because he's he's bringing someone to Jesus. You know, and so my dad growing up, you know, he was, in my eyes, the biggest Andrew ever. Mm. He, you know, was, uh, I remember one story, he, so he volunteered at this, uh, at at, uh, a new church we started to go to. A much better church. Uh, but we were going to that church at that point, and um, 
on Thursday nights, they had a, a ministry where they would um, bring in all the homeless, feed them, and give them worship and, and praise mm-hmm. and stuff. My dad would always get stuck into driving them home where they're homeless. So it was like the different bus stops yeah. and whatnot. Um, one of the ladies left her phone in the car. And we couldn't find the phone forever. <laughs> um, anyways, all just to say he was, you know, constantly going above and beyond for people to, to lead them to Christ. Yeah. And uh, that's just something I strive to be at this point. You know, Matthew 28 teaches us one of our biggest, the, the last thing Jesus tells us is to go and make disciples of all nations. You know, go tell people about, go tell the world about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the best way we can do that as men is, is first to, affect our arena, you know, our, our family to make sure my family knows Christ because then they're going to go out and tell more people. I can't, I, I don't have the capacity to talk to 8 million mm. people or 8 billion people in this mm. world, but I can talk to a handful of them and they can go talk mm. to more, you know? And, and, and so that's something that my father's taught me. And at the time I didn't really understand mm. it, you know, because I didn't have a relationship with Christ. I, I didn't, uh, really care to go yeah. with him you know what i mean i, I um but now being a father seeing what he was doing sacrificing tithing his time let's call it going and doing those items man it was just so impactful and uh that's just someone i strive to be constantly Damn. you know one of my biggest fears is um to be a father that doesn't show their cr- children mm-hmm. christ you know or, or who i have it's like i have this great secret i have this great power this great gift that I can't share with them, you know? And um, so that's what I strive to be like my parents and, and to give me as much as I can. And they're sinners. I'm a sinner. You know, I, I am one of the, I'd be dead right now. if the Old Testament. <laughs> you know, I'd be stoned to death. Um, God would have struck you but, down uh, with a, a, with fire. Oh, oh um, me, me too. Multiple, multiple times. times. <laughs> um, I think you said something though, just now that I love two things. Um, a, the importance of, man, uh, Cam came on last week and talked about uh, making his house, his home, a resting place for the Holy Spirit um, and how he f- strives for that. And as as we talked a little bit about the importance, and I love this, um, part of this podcast, I mean, I really, truly, and we'll talk about it here in a little bit, but like, I mean, it, it was derived from one thing, but now it's like the questions I ask are kind of influenced by my time spent on LinkedIn because I I I want people to hear the importance of like what your role is as a man or as a parent on this earth and like as a Christian as a believer it is what you just said it is teaching your children Jesus all else does not matter Andy Stanley said something where he said um I'm gonna paraphrase it um but essentially like the measure of you, like the most important thing that you are going to contribute to this earth are the children that you raise. Um, and I, I said, I heard that. And I was like, yeah. I mean, think about it. If I sit, if I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, I really want to grow my 401k. I want to grow this company. I want to contribute to this company. Does that truly and honestly matter more than how you raise your children. So when you go to make your decisions, are you going to add a couple thousand dollars to your 401k? Or are you going to change the trajectory of your daughter's life? Which one's more important? Are you going to sit and play blocks or are you right. going to go? And I know that there are things that you have to do to do your job. Well, I understand that, but like, man, what are your priorities? And so you saying that is so important to me because my priority, your priority is 
I'm going to raise my kids up and I'm going to do that first and foremost. And then the second thing you said was uh, tithing uh, of time. I think people so often, I believe that we are asked and actually, no, I know that we are asked uh, to tithe our 10%. So, so in the Bible, but the Levites in the Bible, uh, they didn't earn money. They were the ones that were in charge of setting up and taking down the temple. So they didn't earn money. They tithed with their time and with their abilities and their skills. You can still, like, you if you make money, you should tithe. But you can give and be generous in your time. And the Lord honors that in such a way that is, like, oh, sure. the, like I think that there are people out there who maybe giving is, I'm being taught this. I don't, I, I think we have such a fear on money. I have such a fear on money that I, I don't think there's ever too much to give. I think I'm trying to practice that, but it's like believing it is really hard. Um, but yeah, I think that there are people who maybe they don't feel comfortable. They're not in a place where they can give financially so much more, but they are so gifted in web design. They're gifted in landscaping. They're gifted in where you can go bless people with your, with the, with the giftings that the Lord has given you. And that honors him. That honors him. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know the scales of heaven. I'm not going to say equally, but that honors him significantly. Well, yeah. And again, I mean, Jesus calls us to be the hands and feet, you know, and so you can't be the hands and feet if you're just constantly, I mean, Hey, again, I'm never going to say don't give money, yeah. but if you have time to give, give that yeah. time, you know, because what, what, what's better than being part of that community trying to grow the, the church, trying to, to you, people won't see you writing a no. check. You know, that's kind of all done behind the, well, under says, the don't table. Don't let your right hand see what your left you hand is doing. Exactly. And so, you know, people who look at me, they don't see, say, hey, well, he's a Christian because he gives 10%. They say, oh, he loves Jesus because they see actions. You, you know, that, that's how they're going to be able to see my heart is by actions. And so I think somewhere in the Bible it says, you know, um, um, good work with, you know, faith, or what is it? Deeds faith, without, faith without uh, good, faith without deeds, deeds, faith without work is dead. Yeah, it's dead. Because again, it's like, hey, I believe, but I'm just stuck. I'm not sharing it with anyone. And when you're able to do good deeds, that's, that's Jesus, yeah. you know? And, and again, it's not good works will get you to heaven. That's not the truth. We know that. It's not, uh, hey, the harder I work. The more good things I do, I'm going to buy my place yeah. in heaven. But it's you know when you're when you dedicate your life to Christ, you want to be out there, uh, given given your time away. And uh, I mean, I think about it. I do the parking at mm -hmm. Red Rock. And uh, at first, when I got, you know, I went to the uh, welcoming party and uh, I started going, and uh, they're like, "We think you'll be good at parking." And I was like, "Oh, sick! Thanks." <laughs> I've got the smallest job out there, but you, you know? don't. But again, I think it's. I don't. And I think it's a big portion of my mind shift too. It's, Hey, I'm the first person that that person sees when they're entering our church, you know, so I'm the first line of greeters. If I'm going to be a jerk to them, park, 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 you know, or am I going to be nice and embrace it and, and show that love? There's no small job when it comes to church. No, just to speak into like you for a second, like that as, as ministers in the church, as people who are volunteers on staff, whatever, our job is to set the table for the Lord to dine with his people. Um, 
And right. for you and for me, I have a sh- the shortest temper in the world when I'm behind the wheel. I'm I feel like I'm patient and kind, and then getting behind a wheel and I'm like throwing the bird to people. I'm thumbs up and I'm I'm like the worst human. And like so, if I'm pulling into yeah. a parking lot, and I oh, if dude, if some dude would have cut me off and pull into my spot, I'm gonna walk into church with a heart posture of I'm already pissed. Whereas you, you, like yeah. You are removing that, like, and then the Lord, I'm sitting there. This is silly, but I am human. I'm probably sitting there in church, just pissed off at the dude that cut me off. I'm like trying to find him in church being like, yeah, I hate, I hate you. I don't like you at all. You're the worst. You cut me off. I hope your tire gets, no, I don't. I don't hope it gets cut. I just hope that maybe a bird poops on your windshield, but like two birds. Um, But, but you are, you're removing that situation because instead of me being pissed off walking in the church, I'm now being like stewarded and shepherded into the lobby where there's greeters and then they do their job. And then there's the ushers who bring me to my seat. And now they've created this space where the Lord is able to operate with a soft heart. And you're doing that. Like I, my wife is a worship leader. The worship leader gets, they get all the credit. I love my wife to death, but I think because of seeing, I think a lot of times the people, like the parking, you just did it to the smallest job. And I know that you don't feel that way now, but that is their perception a lot of time for, for greeters, yeah. for coffee, for cafe, for where they're like, my role is like, worship does a, a big thing, but they also sure. are just part of the body. They're the hands. And like, and like the coffee, I experienced the Holy Spirit so much more when I have caffeine. <laughs> so the coffee, the coffee is... If you're not watching, you saw me lift up a coffee cup that I'm drinking. Um, get your butts over and follow me on YouTube. Subscribe, I guess, would be the word. Um, but, um, Joe, thank you. That's you're so you're so spot on. Um, I think. I mean, with that, I mean, like, I want this podcast to be something where you also grow from it and you learn from it and you get challenged by it. I don't want to just sit and like pat your fifis. And so like, if you're listening to this, like go get involved. I promise you that it's rewarding. Like it's rewarding. It is. If you're a parking attendant, not there, you might shake your head, roll your eyes here. Let me, let me just real quick parking attendant, you may get put on a parking team where you are with a group of other people who are also equal minded and equal heart with a posture towards the Lord of servant. You might meet a life group. You might meet a friend. You might meet your spouse. Then you're helping people out of their cars. You're walking them to their, to the front. You are being a, like, you are able to then like have these conversations that you may never have because people are, people walk around in in our world with their guards up 24 seven, but and this might be so that you might catch someone with their guard down and have a conversation that you never expected. Um, go, go serve somewhere. Just do it. Trust me. Just yeah. do it. What I've, what I've taken away from serving the most too, is because, you know, I go to the park meadows, red rock campus, and um, I'm there every Sunday, 8 30, 10, 11 30. You know, I'm there all day, you know, all morning long. And um, you see the same people coming in and again, you start to build those relationships with people because it's more than just, you know, high and buys in the, in the hallway. You're actually, you start remembering names and they start to trust you with things. And they kind of, I, I don't know, I always feel like uh, I'm a trusted person in the church now and people 
hopefully can look at me as someone they can yeah. come to because they can see my visibility throughout my time at the yeah. church. Dang. Whew. Joe, you kicked my butt. Um, okay, so <laughs> I want to give you, we're at 45 minutes. Let's do this. Let's go. Um, would you, the whole, this is Holy Spirit derived. This is uh, Holy Spirit led. There's something on your heart. I believe that you haven't had a chance to share yet that I want you to have a chance. There's um, so what is like one thing right now that as we wrap this up um, that you just are feeling a burning to, to say, to talk about. Yeah. Oh man. Thanks for asking. Uh, I don't have no idea what I'm about to say, but I'm just going to say it. You know, when, when it comes to seasons in our life, you know, again, we have hills and valleys. Sometimes, uh, you know, doing the job I do, it's commission-based. It's it's very focused on income and performance. A lot of that has to do with availability and time. Um, over the last, you know, mortgage rates, it's no no joke that rates are doubled what they have been over the last few years, um, which is nerve-wracking, was nerve-wracking for my family. I mean, we were used to making an X amount of income, you know, good money, and instantly being cut in half. Now, now to almost, you know, 30% of what I'm used to making, um, it shook me to my core, you know, it, it made me internalize things. Uh, it was kind of the devil talking to me saying, you're not good enough again. This is you. This is who you really are. You know, this is what you deserve. This is something you deserve. And I, I just, anyone who's out there is going through seasons of life of struggle, just know there's always going to be Jesus there standing mm -hmm. with you. Um, you know, Mitch, I'm going to share this story just because I think it's so cool. Um, during this, I came to Mitch, we, we were having a cup of coffee and, uh, he could just tell I was distraught. I was depressed because again, I'm worried about providing for my family. That's always been my role is, is what I thought is my, the way I love, you know, the five languages of love. I thought the way I love my family is by providing for them, by taking care of them, by making sure they have money in their accounts, by, you know, just, just taking care of them. And when that was stripped away from me after something that I can't control, Mitch saw it in me. I was depressed and uh, I was just almost in tears crying saying, oh man, I'm just not a provider. I'm not a provider. I'm not a provider. And Mitch uh, looks at me and he says, you're not a provider. And I said, I know that's why I'm here crying to you, man. I'm not a provider. And, and something he said, just you, something you said just changed my entire perspective of it is, Joe, you're not a provider. You were never meant to be a provider. You trust God and God is your provider. And um, that just totally switched my shift, my focus is, again, I, I wasn't letting God take control. And I was actually, in my eyes, having a, a sense of uh, idolatry. You know, I was idolizing money as to where that was my source of protection. Damn. As to where, hey, if I can make more money, my family's going to be safe. Where what I was actually doing is uh, reducing God's role in my life and raising the role of money above God where God has always promised to provide. And um, one of my friends, Landon, said that uh, what he and his family do is whenever they get through something, they, they write what God did for them on a rock and they put it on the ground, kind of like in the Old Testament where when they crossed the river, God said, um, everyone go get a stone and put it there so that when you are doubting me in the future, you go look at those rocks. You know, and so Landon told me that, and now he just has a table full of rocks at his house. And it's just his little reminder that God is with him. You know, and, and again, God has always promised to provide for you. 
He's always promised to love you. Now he's not going to promise a specific income for the rest of your life. He's not going to pr promise that you're going to have 20 houses and a private jet. That's not providing, but he's going to provide food. He's going to provide shelter and he's going to provide that you're going to be all right. And the families will always be okay. And realizing that again, made me feel like I was idolatry. You know, I had idolatry to money. Yeah. I worshiped money. That money was my savior. Wow. Because if I make more money, my family's safe. My, my problems would be done. Oh my gosh, if I could just get this. But really, I was again replacing God with money where once you flip that switch and realize, once you let go and let God do what he does best, everything's going to be okay to reduce my anxiety and re reduce my stress. And again, the um, market isn't any much better. It is better a little bit, um, but I'm not day-to-day -day worried about it as to where, hey, I know at the end of the day, I'm secure. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you're speaking to so many things that I'm passionate about. I actually, it's funny that you bring up, they're called Ebenezer's, um, but it's the rocks. Look at, so I just got, those are, ugh, you can't see, but I just got yeah, the rock. last week, a tattoo of a stack of rocks in that exact reasoning for crossing the it was the red sea and actually moses when he came down from getting the ten commandments put up stacks of rocks joshua does it a few times um that's really cool i think that uh, i appreciate your kind words about me uh, our story was that was that was fun oh, of course, to, i just love you so um man it the the idolatry of money is real um, I think that people this this um, and you spoke to it exactly. Um, people think that uh, money is a bad thing. Money is not a bad thing. The love of money is a bad thing. The the place that money put, right. money is a tool. Money, if you can if you can be put money in its right spot, you can you can do a lot of good things with money. Money is not bad. Loving money, right? I think that's the thing. Loving money is bad. Loving what money can do. For the people around you, I don't believe it's bad. I don't, but it's it is, it is the love and putting above God. Anything that goes above God is an idol, and you you hit that right on the yeah. head. I um, I have a a, a question for you really quick. Um, you're a family man. Uh, yeah, you're, you're a family man in a job that the time that you spend is directly proportional more often than not to the income that you bring in you you send out x amount more outgoing leads you'll receive x, you'll receive y amount back y will convert to a another variable of which then affects your income um i struggle with this as a dad because i truly could wake up at, at seven o'clock I have, I work, I cover the entire country. So I have East coast to West coast. People are working at eight o'clock East coast time. I could wake up at six o'clock and I could start going and I could not go to sleep until Pacific time shutting down at, at people work till six. So that'd be seven o'clock my time. I could, and I would see a lot more money in my bank account if I worked those hours every day over and over and over again. But, and yours is the same way you like, how do you yeah. balance, especially with the tension of like, your commission-based role. So how do you balance time? Because I, I know that you do because we, uh, for example, you we talked on uh, Thursday, uh, nope, Tuesday, talked Tuesday about how um, 
you work a hybrid role now because you're going to go home and hang out with your kids after one o'clock. Like how, how have you, and maybe that's an answer. How have you put in boundaries for yourself so that you, so what is important stays important and you show that. Yeah. And that's a lesson that I think a good question. I think this is a lesson that taught me because of the change in the market. It helped me kind of reprioritize what's important to me. Um, when interest rates were, you know, two and a half percent, whatever they were a couple of years ago, it was right when my daughter was being born, right at the tail end of COVID. And I was working, I mean, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Um, every day. And I would feel guilty if I was logging off at 7 p.m. because I felt like I was letting down my team for not doing more. You know, it's like, wait, wait a minute. I just put in X amount of hours today. Why am I still yeah. doing this? You know, Um and so when we were starting to have our second kid, well, let me flash back here too. Here's a, here's a story that I never liked sharing, but I am going to share it just because I think it's important. My wife had an emergency C-section with our first kid. She was breached. And so um, they were worried that the umbilical cord was going to strangle her. So we had to have an emergency C-section. And we're, everything went well, thank God, and we're in the room. And you know what I do? I literally, instead of cherishing one of the best moments of my life, spending time with my daughter, I get out my laptop and I start sending emails and working while my daughter's sleeping mm. in that moment, you know, and, I, and in my head, it's just like, well, cause I got to provide, you know, this is my role. This is what I do. And uh, it's one of the biggest regrets I'll ever have, mm. not, you know, truly taking the time off needed to spend with that precious of a time. Um, flash forward, you know, we're going to have our second kid. And now I'm telling myself, Hey, I'm going to do it right this time. I am going to set boundaries because what I've learned, you know, the older I get, the more I learn. You know, when we're kids, we always look at our parents and they, they say, I got the wisdom. But you're like, oh, you don't know yeah. anything. The older you get, it's true. You learn lessons and you learn what's truly important to you. And specifically in this downturn of the market, I realize, hey, money is going to come and go. You know, jobs will come and go. Money will come and go. Lifestyles, houses, you'll move. You know, if you... If the house that you live in, you can go move to another house. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not permanent. But what is permanent is your family, is your yeah. kids. And um, one of my biggest, I think the way I am now is built off of regret, which, I mean, take it as you is, as you'd like. But, um, you know, I would just rather, the way I structure my days now is I'm up a little bit earlier, you know, instead of sleeping in and taking advantage of an extra hour of sleep. I'll wake up earlier, get my day started earlier, and I'm really uh, really busy in the morning. You know, I, I try to get all my work done right around 1 or 2 o'clock so that by the rest of the day, I'm, I'm more uh, reactive. That's what you said. You structured your work days so it's outbound in the mornings, inbound in the afternoons, right? Exactly, yes. Yeah. So when I'm in the morning time, it's just outbound. It's attack, go, get at, I like to call it my sprint time. It's as much as I can get done in the next four hours as possible, you know? Just grind. And then so to the afternoon, I can kind of sit back a little bit, take my foot off the pedal and be reactive. So, yeah, if an email comes in, if a call comes in, I can field it. But majority of that time is, you know, from 2, two o'clock to, I don't know, 7.30 or so, I'm enjoying my day. Yeah. And I think that's something huge. That The keyword there is enjoying. Not being there because I have mm. to. Not because, hey, mom's got to go to work or mom's got to go do something, you know, needs, needs mom time. I'm not there babysitting my kids. I'm there enjoying my time with wow. them. And um, I think that 
the distractions of work, the distractions of chasing that money really don't, will never compare to the joy you can have if you actually just sit down and enjoy a one-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old and build Fords. And, you know, I'll tell you, I'm, uh, my, I get a little frustrated with my two-and-a-half-year-old sometimes just because I am so far, I'm so much better than her at building blocks. <laughs> Like I can build like a really sweet structure, <laughs> and um, her arch, arch, uh, you know, her architectural. They're just not there yet. Like, she, we got to, we got to work on them. <laughs> and so, you know, we get frustrated, and I'm like, "Hey, look, I'm building this sweet tower. Quick, I need that block. Quick, take it." You know, but uh, we just have so much fun together. And and at the end of the day, you know, when I leave this earth, when I pass away, when I go to heaven, I want my kids to remember the times they had with yeah. me not remember hey dad was always working hey yeah dad gave us a lot of money but who wasn't here who's you dad? know yeah I, I think i think one of the best things you could be as a dad is just being available you know we don't know what we're doing i don't know what i'm doing every day i wake up like all right you know what mistake am i going to make today yeah, truly um but the biggest mistake you can make is if you're not proud. wow wow um man I, I'm looking at the time and I want to wrap up, but I have one more question. And okay. honestly, I don't really care. This is the fun thing about, okay, here's, here's the thing. Social media, you'll go watch podcasts or like podcasts about podcasts. You're like, keep it around an hour or 30 minutes or 15 minutes. There's different little pockets that people want to listen to. Blah, 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 blah. I don't care. Like I just want, so I got this podcast is like <laughs> built out of like, what did it, here's what it is. It's built out of the person it's for the person across from me, not to satisfy some algorithm, not to satisfy whatever. And so I believe what Joe has to say is important. And I think that you, if you're listening to this, you're going to get something from it. So we normally I'd be like, Oh, I got to get, I have a minute and 13 seconds to wrap this on up, but we're not going to do that. And so here we go. Um, you talked about being a dad. How about being a husband? How has um, being a, in this role? Cause you really are in a, it's, it's a hunter role in a way because you got to go get leads. You got to go do the, the stuff. But like, it's also a pastor role. We've talked about that. It's a very consuming role. Mm-hmm. Um, but your job on this earth is Christ follower and then husband and then dad and then a bunch of other things and then employee. Like, how have you managed? What are some things? How has your marriage been affected by um, this last two years? Yeah. I mean, you know, two years, I mean, gosh, our life has just been completely different. If you, you know, tw- from 2021 to, to now, I mean, 2021, I made the most money I've ever made in a year, you know, and then flash forward two years, I'm probably projected to make the least amount of money I've ever made in a year. Um, and, and a big portion, I think, of just keeping a, he- a healthy marriage in through of that is realizing that that's not what creates the marriage. Mm. You know, the money isn't what creates a healthy marriage. Um, money doesn't fix problems because even if we, even in 2021, we had different type of problems. You know, the problems we had there is, Hey Joe, like I'm stressed out. I have a kid from 7am to 7pm when you're getting home and you're not available, you know, or, or whatnot. There's always different problems. So, so money is never going to be, um, should never be something that influences a relationship. Mm. Um, 
I love my wife. She's too good to me, you know, and she, what I love about her is she's constantly giving grace mm. and uh, her patience is just through the roof. And, um, that's what I think is important in a relationship, specifically in a, in a marriage is giving each other grace, but more importantly, giving yourself grace. Mm. You know, we're going to make mistakes towards each other. Um, one of, and sometimes I feel like in the last two years, maybe you've felt this way as well. You know, when, when I've got a full-time schedule, she's got a full-time schedule, but we've got two kids on top of that. So we're coordinating our weeks like, okay, you got to do this. We got to do this. We got to do this. Oftentimes you'll fall into the rut of being a, uh, a business partner more than a relationship partner. Yeah. You know, you, you fall into the, the role of, okay, you got to do this. You got to do this. And on Friday we clock out for the weekend you know, or, or, you know what I mean? And, and so my biggest advice is to keep a good relationship. We have to schedule time to be intentional together. You know, we have to schedule time to, to love each yeah. other, to just spend time together, you know? Uh, Cause again, once the kids go to sleep, we're drained, we're mentally exhausted. It's so easy for us just to sit down and turn on the TV and uh, relax for hours. Just and go zombie mode. And yeah. watch this. Yeah. Yeah, just binge watch Netflix, which we do. Trust me, we love our Netflix. We love our shows. But we have to be intentional of our time together and uh, communicate. That's so good. You know, so throughout these last two years, um, scheduling that time to just, to just talk and be vulnerable together is so important. I think as, as a man, we're taught not to be vulnerable. We're taught not to wear our hearts on our sleeves because you need to be the man. You need to provide. You need to... You know, my dad would uh, always say things like, you know, suck it up, be a man, you know, stuff like that. And um, after a while, you know, you, you, I, you cleanse yourself in that identity. Um, but again, you need it for a healthy relationship, in my opinion. You need to be vulnerable with your wife or else you're just going to build, 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 build. And then finally, something that's so small is going to set you off. And now you're fighting about something so stupid. But really, it's not that you're fighting about something so stupid. You're fighting that I haven't shared my emotions over the last month and I'm taking it out on something so stupid. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Dang. Yeah. I, I have a couple things I want to like add to what you're saying or like agree with, and then we're going to wrap up. I, I, I'm going to go backwards. Um, there are so many times that Jess and I, cause we are also very, very busy. Um, we only have one kid, so I can't imagine having two. But one of us will pop off on like the smallest thing. And we've gotten good at, or not good, we've started to practice not being so responsive and defensive off the bat and being like, okay, hey, that didn't deserve the response that it got. What is it that like is actually bothering you? Because because yeah. it, that little thing was not explosive or should not have been explosive. Um, the second thing is, is like, investing in being intentional there's two parts to this one's funny and uh, the other one is so when we did premarital i always i remember shaking my head and laughing and be like there is no way and i think he was being a little dramatic but he also was talking about how you can become business partners he goes and like there are times there were times in his marriage that him and his wife literally put on the calendar to have sex like and as and as like crazy as that sounds like here we are being, I told you this podcast is authentic. There are times when I'm laying in bed at the end of the night and I'm like, I'm so tired. I don't, and that, I don't want to do anything. I don't want, I want to go to bed. Yeah. And those days can stretch like two weeks in a row because we are all tired. Everybody is tired. <laughs> the whole house is tired, but like to be intentional and like to put stuff, to be intimate with your wife on 
or like intentional with your wife on the calendar, maybe you have to do that in your marriage. And and that's not a, sh- there's no shame in that. And the third thing I just told this, li- this not little, they are little, they're babies. They're 21 and 22, just got married. They've been married for eight months. And I was like, Hey, they both make good money. There's they're they're no kids. No, not like they are, they're in a place where I'm like, but they're, they both are like this with their money. Like they grew up in a mindset of like, gotta save, gotta save, gotta save everything. Save, 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 save. And maybe this is counterculture, but I was like, Hey, if you're both in this like stressful place at 21, 22, take a week and go to Mexico. Like, like, like take a week and invest in your marriage because I promise you, I said, how much money do you have in your savings right now? They said, we have a six month runway. So you have a six month runway at 21 years old that you both could stop working and be fine for six months. Go to Mexico. Because you need to, I said, you're going to value the time that you spend together, the five grand that you go to Mexico for a week and don't put it in your savings account. You're fine. But, but, but take the time, Jess and I, I have so many frequent flyer miles and Hilton points that like this didn't cost us much money. But like, we hit a point where we both were like, we got to go, we got to get out of Denver, mom, dad, we watch the baby. And we just got on a plane, went to Austin, uh, I have the companion pass. So Jess flew with me for free. We had, we didn't even do anything. We went to a nice dinner in downtown Austin, went to a fun bar afterwards that had like games and went home, stayed in a hotel, flew home the next morning. But like, just to like invest in our marriage for a moment, like we had to be intentional, like you're speaking to. And so like, man, Joe, I, the, I'm so excited. So there's like, I clip these up for YouTube shorts and for, and there's little markers where you like mark that, mark that. Yeah. I have 24 marks on here that I am going to, you're creating so much post-production for me and I love, hate you for it. Oh. Uh, but thank you for like the wit. Well, you got to cut it short. No, huh? Yeah. I, we're done. <laughs> we're no, no more. I have hours of post-production because of you. Um, no dude. Thank you. I, um, I appreciate you so much for this. I, I would love um, to keep going, but as we speak about wives and kids and priorities and um, I can make this podcast an idol sometimes. I love it so much. It's so fun for me. Sure. And so my wife is upstairs. My daughter for sure is awake. She, unless she took a two hour nap, in which case, thank you, Jesus. But she didn't do that. I'm pretty sure. So um, I'm going to go upstairs and help my wife um, because I'm about to take off for uh, an actual work meeting here in about an hour. So I got to, I owe her a nice dinner tonight because she's taking care of the baby on her off day. So, um, which you said earlier, actually, is like, she enjoys it. But I think I put this pressure on myself of like, it's your off day. You want to be off. But like, she's up there playing with my daughter and I'm going to walk up there and she's going to be, she's going to yeah. be fine. But like. Well, there's probably nothing else she'd want to exactly. do. Exactly. And that's, you know? but, but the enemy puts this pressure on you of like, you're not a good dad. You're away, you're, you're away from your wife and your kid. And like, you need to go yeah. help her. Um, Cause my daughter is a terror right now. She's amazing. I love her to death, but she is learning tantrums. She's 17 months old. I don't know how to handle tantrums. I, I'm really working on it. Cause she'll start throwing a fit. And I just look at her like dead eyed blank face. I'm like, you're not getting any response from me out of this. Do you feel silly? Because and I know that she doesn't, she's just feeling big emotions, but in my humanness, I'm like, you're not getting anything from me. I'm not encouraging this, but okay. All that to say, um, yeah. all that to say, Joe, thank you for coming on, dude. I, um, if you're listening to this podcast, 
man, go follow, like, subscribe. Um, there's a cool thing. I'm still not on social media, but I found this uh, service called Buffer. And I don't know if this is their marketing. If they are, Buffer, hit me up. I got a good marketing thing for you. It's buffering me from having to be on social media. It links up all of my social onto one uh one dashboard. And so I can schedule out all my posts without getting on Instagram. I can schedule out all my tweets, TikToks, whatever. TikTok, don't get on TikTok. It's from China. And they're reading all your phone stuff. I don't know. I saw that at the on at the gym on the news. I don't know. Um but <laughs> but um it I'm gonna start posting YouTube shorts and this is going to be on YouTube. And this is going to be at this point, actually as you see this, this is going to be posted this is all going to already be happening. And so um, go share it, like it. Uh, if you have somebody, if you would like to do this, um, if this is something that you would, I would love to talk to you about the possibility of that. That would be something that would be super cool. Um, I'll be honest. I can't say yes to everybody because time in the day is 24 hours, regardless of, regardless of how many, how often I pray for longer, longer days. But like, Joe, thank you. Um Go buy Joe's headphones because you'll support the show through buying his headphones. Yes, sir. Um, that's super cool. I don't even know how much the I, I I literally off the seat of my pants. That's not even a saying off the top of my head. Was like, let's just throw that out there and see if it works. I may never do it again. Um, but Joe, we'll chat soon, dude. Um, Maybe we'll get a sponsorship by uh, Bomani. Bomani, if I'm saying your name right, hit me up. I'll you I'll, I'll use your <laughs> headphones. Maybe. <laughs> there you go. All right, man. Well, until next time, you guys. Uh, peace.